Let's go in the word of the Lord to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, a very familiar story. We'll see what the Lord will do tonight. I was waiting for my gaze to turn in this Bible, but I don't see it turning, so I'll wait. I'll move on, I guess. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of a temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. He thought he was just going to get some money. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We know that your word is anointed. I pray, God, that you would hide me under the shadow of your cross, God that you would anoint your messenger tonight, God, that I would speak that which you would put in my mouth only in Jesus' name. And I would hold back those things that are from me, Lord, and let your word go forth and let it be applied in our lives and let us be willing, God, to do exactly, God, what you're asking us to do, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. For a little while tonight, I want to preach on this topic, it's a question. What do you have? What do you have? The story that we read about in our text, it's a well-known story. I'm sure you've read it at some point in your life. There's a notable miracle there. This man was 40 years old and had been crippled from birth. Yet, after meeting Peter and John and the power of the miraculous coming upon him, he was seen walking and leaping and praising God. As you can imagine, this caused quite a stir. So Peter began to tell everyone how this miracle occurred. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 16, we read this. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Notice what Peter said had made the man whole. He said it was the name of Jesus. Through faith in the name of Jesus, that is why that man had been made whole. And he began to teach about the name of Jesus. And we know that that brought the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees together and they locked Peter and John up for the night. Free hotel. And the next day, 
They were examined. And this is what Peter said. He said, be it known unto you all. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 10. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Once again, Peter confirmed that it was by the name of Jesus that this miracle had occurred. And even more than that, he clarified that Jesus is the only name by which men can be saved. It's only through the name of Jesus. Did you notice the importance that Peter placed on the actual name of Jesus? Not just being his disciple. Not just knowing him or believing him but actually by His name. Amen. You know the name of Jesus. You've spoken it many times. We know that it's not a, a magic incantation. We see this exemplified with the sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19. They try to cast out a demon by the name of Jesus. And the demon just said, Jesus I know. Paul, I know, but who are you? How did they know to use the name of Jesus? Well, I'm sure they heard Paul using it every time he cast out a demon or prayed for healing. They heard him speak the name of Jesus. And we know that it's not a magic incantation, but it's very important. Why? Because it's is the power or authority by which salvation comes only through the name of Jesus. It only comes through Jesus' name. Healing only comes through the name of Jesus. That's why I believe, and that's why I know that you believe, the name of Jesus has to be invoked or actually said when we do anything. We do it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You can say, that doing something in the name of Jesus just means doing it by His authority. He has given us the authority to baptize people. But if we baptize them without the name of Jesus, without stating His name over them, without giving the authority of which we do here, does that baptism actually do anything? Does it actually remit sin? According to Scripture, it does not. It takes applying the name of Jesus. Are you with me? The Scripture emphasizes over and over again the importance of the name of Jesus. John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. His name is powerful. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. Amen. It's only through the name. John chapter 20 verse 31. But these are written 
that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. You want to have life tonight? You're only going to have life through the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 16 and verse 18. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. You're only going to see demons come out of people and people be delivered when you speak the name of Jesus. James 5, 14. We saw this tonight. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. You're only going to receive your healing through the power of the name of Jesus. Matthew 18 and 20. For where two or three are gathered together, Jesus said, in my name. There am I in the midst of them. You want to get the presence of God around you? Call upon his name. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It takes the name. I could go on with scripture after scripture that emphasizes the importance of the name of Jesus. This morning this scripture was used. I already had this one written down. I think he, if he didn't use it, he come close to it. Colossians 3 and 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, whatever you speak, however you act, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, uh, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. We are commanded to do everything through the name of Jesus. You know it. Sometimes we take it for granted, but that name is the most powerful name in heaven or in earth. It's the most powerful name, and some of us need to invoke the name of Jesus over some situations that are going on, over some family members. You need to invoke the name of Jesus. Invoke his blood. Speak the name of Jesus. Amen. If you have a revelation of who Jesus is, that's a mighty revelation. When you really realize who Jesus is, that's a powerful revelation in your life. Amen. That he's one God. But when you realize all that he is, that's a powerful thing. Amen. But let's backtrack just a little bit. We first must realize that every miracle of healing, every miracle of salvation, every miracle of deliverance only happens because Jesus makes it happen. Amen. I cannot, you cannot produce one miracle. You can't heal a headache and neither can I. We can't do it on our own. And the minute that we take credit that we were used in a miracle by God, that's the minute that you're in big trouble. Because the Word of God says that He will not share His glory with another. Amen. He's going to get the glory out of it. So in our text, we see where Peter and John said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. This tells me that they had something spiritually in their hands. They had something to give that lame man. 
And I would challenge us tonight, we cannot have empty hands spiritually and expect the miraculous to happen all around us. We have to have something inside of us that when we come upon that lame man, we can say silver and gold, have I none? I might not be rich, but I'm rich in the Holy Ghost. So by the authority of the word and the power of the name of Jesus, rise up and walk in Jesus' name. We must challenge ourselves to be rich in Christ. We must challenge ourselves, amen, to have something to give this lost and dying world. Hallelujah. Peter and John had spent time with Jesus. They had been around him, and they had something to give that lame man. They didn't have to bring him to church. They didn't have to get him in the temple. They didn't have to get him in some special place. That special place was right there on the street. I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. And that is where God is bringing us, this church, right here and right now. God is bringing us to a place where we have something in our hands to give because we have been with Jesus and we don't have to wait for them to get in this building. But right on the street, we can lay hands upon them and see the mighty works of God. What do you have to give tonight? That was my question. What do you have in your hands to pour out to the lost and dying? Some people think, if I could just get a microphone in my hand, then I would have a ministry. It got quiet in here. If I could just get that, man, they got it over me because they got a mic in their hand. That is so far from the truth. So far from the truth. Matter of fact, I'd rather give you this mic right now and let you preach. Every Holy Ghost-filled person has a ministry. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. If you've been born of the water and of the Spirit, God has called you to be a minister. God has equipped you. For this moment in time, God, it, it humbles me to think that God didn't call Peter. God didn't call John. God didn't call any of those peace people, the Apostle Paul, for this hour. But God chose us. Why? Because he has equipped us for this moment. He's placed you here for this moment. He believes in you, many of us, more than we believe in ourselves. But we must remember the foundation of all ministry is prayer. It's spending time with Jesus. Amen? And after spending time in His presence, I believe in the Holy Ghost that God is ready to use some of us greater than we've even imagined in our minds. Even some of the things you fathomed and thought about God saying, huh, that's great, I'm glad you're thinking that way, but there's something much bigger that I'm getting ready to do. You're thinking a little too small here. You're thinking in the hundreds, I'm thinking in the thousands. Maybe you're thinking in the thousands and I'm thinking 10,000. God is ready to use us greater than we could ever imagine. He saved you for this time for a purpose. John chapter 15, verse 16. I better turn my timer on here so I don't preach all night. John 15, verse 16. You've not chosen me. But I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask.
ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Jesus was telling his disciples, and I believe in the Holy Ghost that Jesus is telling every one of us tonight, you have not chosen me. I feel the Holy Ghost, but I have chosen you and ordained you. He said, I have ordained you. And I know that word ordained can be misleading to some. Oh, okay, it's just for pastors. It's just for ministers. It's just for those that are in leadership. That's what that's all about. No, no. If you study it out, you will very quickly see that the word ordained simply means appointed. God has appointed every born-again believer for this moment. Come on. He's called you and chosen you for this moment. Every born-again believer in this room, every person that's worshiping online, God has appointed you for ministry now. Amen. There is a purpose for you being chosen and appointed. And here's what it is. You read it. It's simple. That you should go forth and bring forth fruit. Jesus was telling his disciples that each one as a branch ever joined to Christ was to grow away from him in the development of his own work and was to bring forth his own fruit. Are you with me? And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father. There's going to be some fruit here, some spiritual fruit that's going to remain. It's already happening, it started, but there's going to be great fruit in this Kennebec Valley that's going to remain because of what God's doing through you, because God has called you and appointed you and chosen you for this hour. And God, I know in the Holy Ghost, He is ready to use the gifts that you already have inside of you. God has chosen you and appointed you for this time. God wants to use what you already have, and some of us don't even realize what we have. We don't realize what we have. Throughout the Bible, God had a habit of using whatever a person possessed, whatever they had. All that was required was that person for them to give what they had to God. And here's just a few. And you probably know the stories that go with them. God used a stick. He used a coat. Two fish. A couple of pennies. A slingshot, a jawbone, a rock, some loaves of bread. Those are some things that God used. The creator of heaven and earth, the one who spoke this entire world into existence, is able to use just ordinary things, ordinary objects that are yielded to him in faith. That's the kind of God that he is. I'm going to ask you what scripture says. Is there anything too hard for God? It's a rhetorical question. No, there's nothing too hard for God. It's not a complicated process. But we tend to complicate it a little bit. We get all of our excuses out of why God can't use what we have. Well, maybe that's not really what it is. I don't understand how to stop it. In Exodus chapter 4, we find that mighty man Moses doing the same thing. He was trying to convince God that he was not the man. 
to lead the Israelites out of bondage. And in that conversation, he asked Moses a question in verse 2. God did. The Lord said to him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. God was literally asking Moses, what do you have? What do you possess right now? And I believe in the Holy Ghost that God is asking every one of us the same question tonight. What do you possess? What do you have? And I believe that each one of us needs to evaluate what we have inside us uh, through the power of God's Spirit already. What gifts are inside us? Uh, what do we possess already that God has placed inside of us? What gifts do we desire that God would use? Maybe some of them that you're desiring for God to use are already laying there in your life and God is waiting for you to activate those gifts. What is God personally asking you to trust Him with? I know that each of us have different giftings. Each of us have different talents. And compared to what your neighbor has, wow, look at them. Look at that prayer warrior over there. She's moving mountains. Man, look at that person behind the mic. They can sing. We start comparing what we have with what others possess. And we start doing that. It doesn't look so good. I ain't got much. What I have is not very good. What I Stop doing that. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says it's not wise to compare yourselves among yourselves. And tonight, I believe God wants you to be concerned only with what you have in the sense of a spiritual nature. Take an inventory. What do you have? What do you already possess? What is the reason He has chosen you for this moment and appointed you for these last days? Why? What does God see in you that you're not seeing right now? What has God already placed inside of you that you're not already activated and using right now? And I believe if we'll give God what He's asking for, what we have is enough for God to do something miraculous in this region. Amen. When God asked Moses what he had, Moses' answer was a rod. Literally, he was saying, oh, it's just my old walking stick, God. It's that stick that I use to shepherd the sheep. I use it to walk over these mountains, and I've had it for years, God. It's just my staff. It's all I got. But we see in Exodus 4 and 17, when God touches something when God gets involved he said and thou shalt take this rod in thine hand wherewith thou shalt do signs the rod Moses had in his hand he said take it that same rod that's in your hand with that same old rod you walked for miles and miles with and herded sheep with you're going to see signs and wonders you're going to bring deliverance to people you're going to bring them out of Egypt. And they're even going to pay you to leave, Moses. Come on, you better hear what I'm saying. You already possess enough for what God wants to do through you and in you. Somebody needs to stir up the gifts tonight that are already inside of you and say, God, what is it that I have that I can use for your kingdom? 
I'm as convinced tonight as I have ever been convinced in my mind that there are gifts that are laying dormant in every one of us. From a time where somebody laid hands upon you, probably from the time that you've been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, and when the Spirit came into you, God, that Holy Spirit, placed gifts, gifts of the Spirit into your life. And God is waiting for you to tap into those. Amen. God is counting on you to tap into what you have already have. To bring deliverance to those that are held captive by sin. He's waiting for you to tap into it. And the moment that you tap into what you already have, God's going to bring you to a deeper place in the miraculous. Oh, this is boring. Some of us are bored spiritually in our walk with God. so simple that we miss it sometimes. God, some of us are just bored. But God is just waiting for you to tap into the gifts that he has already given you so that he can trust you with more giftings. Some of you are praying, God, I want this, I want that. And some of it, you just need to hone in on what God's already placed in your life. I'm preaching to the choir. Once Moses followed the direction and the guidance of God Almighty... And he used the stick that he already had. God used it to perform many miraculous tasks. And you know, that rod turned into a snake. It ate other snakes. Brought water out of a rock. Turned water into blood. We understand that these miracles were not accomplished by the rod. But they were accomplished by the power of Almighty God as Moses was obedient to God. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1 and 27 says, But God hath and the things which are mighty. It's not always going to make sense to us, but if we'll take what God has already placed in our hands, if we'll take what God has already placed in us, God will use what we already have to see a mighty move of His Spirit and to see a mighty revival and miracles and signs and wonders, amen, to sweep across this Kennebec Valley. It's very simple. God is asking you to take whatever you have whatever he's been talking to you about in your life, and give it to him. And when you do that, you will have a front row seat to the miraculous power of God. Can you just tune in for a minute? I hear the voice of God speaking. I know you feel inadequate. Many of us do. But I hear the Lord speaking. It's nothing new. God said, Gideon, you're a valiant man that will deliver Israel from the Midianites. Gideon says, Lord, you must be mistaken. I am the least in my father's house. You got the wrong guy. I'm not a warrior. Right? I'm inferior. I'm inadequate. I can't do it. I am hiding like the rest of them. I'm just trying to hold on to what I have. He says, 
What do you have, Gideon? <laughs> well, we know at the time when, when Gideon, God used him to bring victory. Gideon had a trumpet, he had a pitcher, and he had a lamp. Just common items. Everyone had them. There was nothing special about them. Nothing at all. Gideon, using only what he had, brought deliverance to Israel. You don't need a sword or a spear or a shield. You're not going to do this on your own, Gideon. Gideon, take what you have and I will use it in a miraculous way. And we see that in Judges chapter 7, verse 16, starting there. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall you do. And when I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye with the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands, and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host, all the host ran and cried and fled. You see, the enemy tonight would tell you that you're weak. He would try to tell you that you're inferior. He would try to tell you that you're inadequate for the job. But the devil is a liar tonight, and we know that. God has equipped you. And you just need to activate what you have already. I hear the voice of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, Philip, the multitude is hungry. We must feed them. And then we read in John chapter 6, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Philip had said right before this, 200 penny worth of bread would not feed this multitude. The disciples must have had doubts. They didn't have enough money or enough bread for that size of a crowd. But Andrew, what's in your hand? Well, it's just a boy's sack lunch. It's just five bread rolls and two small fishes. It's enough for the boy to eat, but it's surely not enough for this great multitude. Andrew, using only what you have already in your position, possession, I will feed the multitude. Make them sit down. And we read in John chapter 6, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distrib dis distrib distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. That's what happens when you put what you have in the hand of the master. Remember the story of Rahab? Joshua chapter 2. Jericho is going to fall. 
She knew that God had given the land to the people, to his people, the Jews. She's given an option. Hey, Rahab, you can save yourself and your family. Who, me? God, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm not a warrior. I'm not even righteous. I'm a harlot. That's who I am. I'm not even a Jew. I am an immoral Gentile woman. God, what can I do? Well, what do you have, Rachel? Well, I have this red cord. It's nothing special. I've always had it. Rahab, using only what you have, you will save yourself and your family. The walls of Jericho are going to fall down, but your house and your part of the wall, it will stand strong, Rahab. You will all be spared as the city is taken. In fact, Rahab, you'll even be in the lineage of the Messiah. Rahab, just use what you have. I won't be a lot longer. You love it when I say that, so I love to say it. I want to read this story to you. On March 13th, 1964, at around 3.30 a.m., there was a murder in the Kew Gardens section of Queens, New York. The murder probably wouldn't have gotten much publicity at all if it hadn't been for a sensational article that appeared on the front page of the New York Times a couple of weeks later. The Times story led to groundbreaking research in social psychology and the discovery of new and counterintuitive information about human behavior. Here's the story. It was very late, very cold, and very dark when 28-year-old Catherine Kitty Genovese parked her car at the Kew Gardens train station. When she got out of her car, she saw a stranger walking toward her. The man, Winston Mosley, 29, stabbed Genovese two times as she hurried past a bookstore on Austin Street. It's documented that she called out, Oh my God, he stabbed me. Please help me. And she fell to the ground. Winston was leaning over her to stab her again when he heard a man's voice calling from a window in an apartment building across the street. Leave that girl alone. Startled, Mosley ran down an alley, got into his car, backed up, ready to drive off and leave. But then the lights had went back out in the nearby apartment buildings. Uh, they, the ones that had come on went back out again and Mosley got out of the car and again followed Genovese who had reached the doorway of her apartment building which was in the back of the building of 82-62 Austin Street. As she fell forward to the doorway crying out, I'm dying, I'm dying. Winston caught up with her and stabbed her again. This is a horrible story. A short time later, a neighbor, Greta Schwartz, who had called the police after receiving a phone call from another neighbor, ran down to the lobby, cradled Kitty in her lap until the paramedics arrived. From interviews 
In the neighborhood of the two stabbing incidents, police learned that as many as 37 people had seen or heard part of the stalking and murder of Kenny, Kitty Genobese by Winston Mosley. Think about that. 37 people had seen or heard part of all those goings on. But none of them had called the police except Greta Swartz. Why did I tell you that story? Because church, I believe it's up to each one of us to keep the lights on. It's up to each one of us to be the voice that God has called us to be. There's a dying world that is counting on what you already have. You may not have silver or gold. You may not be rich as far as the world is concerned. But you have something way more powerful inside of you that God is calling you this night to activate and use I wish I could preach better. I wish you could understand the passion that's in my heart right now. I wish, I wish, I wish, because just like that girl died, just as real as a natural death is, there are so many that are dying right now, and the church doesn't even realize how many are dying and going to hell because we have not activated the gifts that are already inside of us, the gifts that we possess. You may be saying in your mind tonight, I feel the Holy Ghost is strong in here. God, I'm too broken. You can't use me. I'm too broken. But I believe in the Holy Ghost as God sent me to remind every one of us tonight that there's nobody that's too broken for God to use you. The gifts that are inside you, the gifts that he placed when you received the power of the Holy Ghost, they are still there and God is waiting for you to use them. It's not too late. God is still knocking on your heart's door tonight. God is still calling you tonight. He has still chosen you and appointed you for this hour. Even though many of us may have felt inadequate, unqualified, weak, whatever it may be, I've come to remind somebody again tonight. I know I used it last week, but I've got to say it again tonight that God is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves the crushed in spirit. He still has a plan for your life. No matter how broken you may feel, God tonight is still ready to use you in this end time hour. But when we begin to entertain thoughts that we're too broken, we're too flawed, we're too messed up to be used by God, that's when we need to get in the Word of God. And read how God chose a loudmouthed fisherman named Peter. An all-knowing God chose a king who would commit adultery with Bathsheba and then have her husband killed to cover up his sin. God is the one who chose Moses with a speech impediment. He's the one that chose a prostitute to work in his kingdom. He's the one that chose a persecutor of believers that we know as the Apostle Paul. He's the one that chose Matthew, a tax collector. To be the great disciple and apostle, Matthew. We see through Jesus, life on this earth, that when he walked this earth, he didn't choose the righteous. 
He didn't choose the religious elite. No, no, no. That's not who he chose to be his disciples. All throughout the Bible we see where God uses broken vessels. God uses weak people. God uses imperfect people. God uses flawed and messed up people. That's the kind of people that God uses. Don't you see? It's the mess that you've been through that's going to help this messed up world. Don't you see the pain that you've been through is there for a purpose? God is going to help you to bring somebody else through that pain. Don't you realize it's more than a pity party for yourself, but what God has done in your life or allowed to happen in your life was for a purpose. Your addictions are not for naught. God delivered you so you could help somebody else come out of addiction. Your depression was not for nothing. God allowed you to experience those things so you could help somebody else come out of that deep, dark hole. I feel the Holy Ghost is strong in this place. Some of us have been looking at it all wrong. We've been looking at it through our own lens, looking at it through our own selves, and looking at us and just care about us. But God's trying to get us to wake up and realize that some of the things that have happened in our lives and the giftings that are already there have been placed for this moment, have been placed for this time that you can help somebody else to get out of that hellhole that you were in and come into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to respond to God. I have more notes, but I'm just going to stop because I've learned a long time ago that when God starts moving, it's time for us to respond. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to you. Now, you must take action. You must take action. Hallelujah. Faith without works is dead. In the name of Jesus, you've got to take action. You've got to move. You've got to say, God, I understand. God, I know it's not about me. As you're coming, I want to say one other quick thing. To have gifts of the Spirit, you must first have the Holy Spirit. And if you've not been filled with the power of God, the Spirit of God, like they were in the book of Acts when they spoke with other tongues, that gave them the evidence that they were filled with the Spirit of God. That's Bible. I can show you verse and chapter over and over again. But that's the fact. God will do that for you in this place. And all you have to do is obey the words of Peter on the day of Pentecost when he said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you've never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit of God in such a way that you spoke with tongues, if you'll just ask God to forgive you tonight for your sins, And then just begin to praise Him. God will fill you full of His Spirit. But I still feel a tug for the saints of God. I feel a tug for the saints of God. God does not desire you to be bored. 
in his kingdom. And if you're feeling bored, it's time tonight to recommit. It's time tonight to say in the name of Jesus, I know there's giftings inside of me. I've seen it before. I've seen the miraculous before. And God, I'm not satisfied where I am right now. Nothing's going to change unless you get sick of where you are right now spiritually. Just coming to church, singing a few songs, lifting up your hands and praising God for a moment, feeling good just for a second, and then going back the same way that we were each and every day is not going to change an ant. When I say an ant, I'm talking about a little insect. We desire to be used of God, but we've got to have a mind shift tonight and say, you know what? Some of us, I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir. We have to have a mind change and a shift in our mind. And let that burden grip a hold of us for the lost again and realize that what we've been through is for a purpose. And the giftings that God has placed in those dark hours have been for a purpose. Those giftings that have been placed through prayer, even in those dark moments of those, those nights where you felt all alone. Amen. It was for a reason. God has brought you to this place right now so that you can reach out to those that are hurting and in need. And you can say... As the apostle Peter and John did, silver and gold have I none. Maybe that's your case, but what I have right now in the name of Jesus, I give to you. On the street, there's going to be testimonies of deliverance. If somebody will listen to what I'm preaching tonight, if somebody will activate what I'm talking about tonight, there's going to be testimonies of deliverance on the street, not just when we're having an outreach service, but on a day-to-day -day basis. There's going to be testimonies of healings at Walmart. There's going to be testimonies of healings at the gas station. There's going to be testimonies of healings at Sam's Club. There's going to be testimonies of healings in the hospital. I challenge you right now. Ask yourself in the Holy Ghost, well, Lord, what do I have? And help me to activate that which I already have, Lord. That which you've entrusted me with already. Help me to activate those things in my life. That I would see your glory, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we turn this into a prayer room for a moment? This whole building, can we just turn it into a prayer room? Can we turn it into a place of prayer? you got lost loved ones. I've got lost loved ones. we got so many that we care about that are not on this old ship of Zion yet that need to be here. Amen. We've got to let that passion, we've got to let that burden rise up inside of us again in the name of Jesus. Is there anybody that would cry out?